Welcome to the Equip and Encourage Podcast. My heart and prayer is to be an encouragement to you in your pursuit of Jesus and to equip you in the advancement of His kingdom. If you'd like to connect with me further, head on over to my website at pastorjoshleadership.com. Welcome to the Equip and Encourage Podcast. I have my good friend, Josh West with me here today. So excited. I'm actually on location here at Sunrise uh, Teen Challenge in Oklahoma, in Cache, Oklahoma, the the big city, the big urban uh, central of <laughs> Cache, Oklahoma, out here with Josh West. And uh, just super excited to get into a conversation with my friend here. I uh, got familiar with Teen Challenge uh, about three years ago in my uh if you're not familiar with Teen Challenge, I'll let Josh share a little bit about that in a little bit. But my older brother went through the program. It was just incredible. It was an opportunity for me to connect with some great people. So I'm real honored to have Josh here, and he's going to share with us. Uh, but before we get into that conversation, Josh, why don't you share with us uh, an equipping tool? Well, for me, I think, uh, you know, first let me just say it's a pleasure to be on your podcast and I love and admire you a lot Josh Um, you know for me uh, something that I always do in the morning and this is just something that I need to do is I have actually a note over here on my computer it says be humble and be kind you know for for me no matter what I'm doing it takes humility it takes kindness and it kind of realigns me uh, every day for the things we have to deal with here Uh, humility is where God's grace is is poured out on us if we can be if we're humble in every situation we can expect God's grace in that situation sure. and so for me the, the way I equip myself every day is to remind myself that being humble attracts God's grace absolutely that's so good what a great principle and uh man I you know he he uh he if we will take care of the humble part he'll take care of the exalting part right amen so I love that so much that you know the the grace just kicks in whenever we when we recognize our need for it, right? Definitely. Well, hey, man, you and I have had a lot of conversations, a lot of great conversations over the years, but I, I just kind of wanted to um, just introduce people to you and, you know, just hear a little bit about your story. We'll talk a little bit about Teen Challenge, but man, let's hear it. Let's hear the story of Josh Joshua West. Like, where are you from? Yeah, yeah, I was born in, in Winslow, Arizona, not on a corner like the, the Eagle song says, standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona. <laughs> Take it easy. But uh, I was born in Winslow, Arizona, but spent most of my life in the, the great, sovereign, holy state of Texas. Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and so uh, I'm from uh, Waxahachie, which is a little you know, 30 minutes south of Dallas and grew up there and uh, had a great single mom who loved me and exposed me to things of God and uh, lived a, a pretty good life as a young person, but very quickly, you know, found my way to drugs and alcohol. I played in bands and partied, and you know, at some point, it it just became not something I did. It became my life. When you said you were in bands, what kind of music were you playing? Yeah, I used to play in the Dallas rock scene. I was in a, a local band uh, called Lost Cause, and we toured with uh, a lot of other local bands and played in Deep Ellum and things yeah, like yeah. that. And in the '90s, and I worked at a a, a nightclub down there in Deep Ellum for many of my oh, wow. early adult years, and and so that was kind of my life, playing music yeah. and chasing the that dream. Whole scene, and yeah, completely. And, and Dallas that, had a pretty good music scene in the nineties. Yeah, absolutely, I think uh, it probably still does. But 
but that obviously that comes along with a lot of you know that that environment that culture has a lot of a lot of trouble in it yeah i i pretty much you know to be honest with you idolized every every person i idolized as a young person uh glorified drug use yeah. you know jimmy yeah. hendrix mm-hmm. jim morrison this sort of like suicidal kind of like beautiful talent you know this raw sort of like I thought drugs were like a means to discovery, and really, what it turned out to be was, uh, you know, a bondage that yeah. that I carried far out of there, you know, past the glitz and glamour of it, and found myself addicted, and um, found myself in jail in in two thousand one, and uh, that's when I had my encounter, my first real encounter with Christ uh, was presented the gospel by another person in jail, and began to read the Book of Romans, and God really. Mm-hmm changed my life greatly through that um and i wanted to live for god but when i came out i fell back into most of my old stuff yeah and so really uh for me that's kind of how i came to be part of uh this ministry is you know i wanted to live for god but i i couldn't um the way that i thought god you know i thought christianity was a list of do's and don'ts and I kept finding myself failing, and so, you know, I didn't think God was failing. I just felt like maybe I wasn't able to be a Christian, you know. I tried hard, but maybe I was just too messed up or too lost and fell back into addiction. And that's when someone introduced me to this program where um, a pastor said, Listen, I believe that you you have a relationship with God. You want to serve God, but you need to go to some place where you can be discipled. Right. And that's what I found. You know, I came for freedom from addiction and I, I came to like get a life basically, but what I what I really found was a a, a way to be a Christian and how to walk my life out in yeah. Christ, not perfectly, but What uh, year was this? Um so I came through the program. I did, I missed a lot of my story. Really, um I didn't come into the program in two, until 2009. Okay. Um, and so I, I struggled out there for a long time. I actually went to Bible college and seminary and uh, lived for God. What had, year did you do that? Um, I graduated from seminary in 2006 okay. uh, from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, before that, I went to DBU. Um, and before that, I went to Dallas Community College, Cedar Valley. So you were serving the Lord. You were, I mean, you were really pursuing Jesus but you just you had some hang-ups in your life like yeah you'd whole, never been discipled even though you had been churched for a long period of time completely I I had never been discipled and and I was in a local church but there was elements that um there was misconceptions I had about walking for God that that made me live in secret sin you know yeah what uh, were some of those well you know I I I was even though even though theologically I understood the grace of God. I was still shown this sort of path of works, you know. Right. Really, you know, to get off probation as a Christian, in my mind, you had to be able to walk in victory in these certain places. Right, like and a spiritual probation? Definitely. And yeah. so um, and I really couldn't overcome some of these things. And, and, and I, it wasn't an environment of, you know, walking through these things and growing together and being honest about my shortcomings. It was more, more like clean your act up. Yeah, and then yeah. God will accept you rather right. than God accepts you and it will help you, you know, right. be like Christ. And yeah, so, I was sharing that with the men yesterday. You know, like we all have this desire to, to feel like we belong. And, uh, you know, sometimes we, we feel like that we have to behave before we belong. But I think it's, it's backwards. You know, when, if we can, we have a hard time behaving, 
because we have a hard time believing that we belong. And once we realize our identity, that we actually belong to God, it helps us. It helps us behave, you know, it helps us respond to his goodness. Yeah, it's so good. I had a a big misconception about faith, too. Uh, We were talking about this book earlier, but one of the one of the books that really helped shape or change my mind about a lot of things was mere Christianity mm-hmm. because I thought asking questions meant I didn't have faith. And, wow. uh, and I, so I didn't, under, you know, there was things, uh, doubts and, mm-hmm. and questions I had where what the Bible said and the way my life looked didn't match up. And I thought, you know, by asking real questions that people right. have, um, I was not I didn't have faith in God. Right. And what mere Christianity showed me was it's actually through asking these questions yeah. that, that we find that God is true and real and, and every and every and more and even beyond what we expect. So, well, f- I think sometimes people have made uh, faith kind of a a destination uh, per se, but not really um, something that we're allowed to explore. You know, um, for me, it's like faith. That's what faith is. Faith is an exploration. You know, I mean, really. When we talk about faith in Christ, it's trust, like it's setting in what he did, but it, but it's also exploring, um, you know, it's, we don't leave the seat to explore, but we're, you know, we're asking questions and, you know, it's just kind of making sure that we're, you know, I think that there's a, a little bit of a, maybe some easy beliefism that kind of falls into that, that, you know, or, or some kind of performance, you know, we've kind of made work, uh, faith a work, you know. And, uh, and, I, and I guess in, in some ways, faith is a work, you know, in, in a sense is that, you know, faith produces works, but we've kind of made it a, a little bit of a, you know, like you said, the, the, I, I, when I came to the Lord, it was like that, like, you just don't question anything. And then if there's a little bit of rebellion in us, like I had and which you had, it's like, we, we were kind of like question everything, you know? And so. I think that that's always got to be from the right point, but you know, faith is really a position of of exploring and 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 pursuing things. And you know, why does it have to be that way? And the wrestle and the struggle and the tension, like you know, that's when our faith really comes alive. I feel like you know. Yeah, I think for me, a wrong definition of faith actually probably had a, a great uh, negative impact. I mean, you know, once I realized that. I wasn't having faith in myself to do things yeah. that God had laid before me. That was actually, you know, that faith is actually knowing that I stand justified before God on the basis of Christ, yes. and that God will keep His promises so that He gave yeah. us in the Scripture. Then I realized that my my faith is in Christ; it's not in myself, right. and or in my ability to do good or to do right. And uh, then then it's it's about trusting God and not trusting yeah. my my ability to live up to Christianity, knowing that. You know, Christ really is doing the work in me, and yes, it does take action on sure. our side. But that action is in response to in what response. Christ has done yeah. for me, not the fact that I'm trying to, you know, earn a a place at the table or if I mess up, right? You know, I got to go run and hide. Instead, you know, hey, God, I messed up, and He wants to help me walk through this season of my life. And that's that's been the the most, uh, you know, sort of like revolutionary thing in my life is realizing. That failure isn't an opportunity to run away from God. It's an opportunity to run to God. To God, yeah. So good. That's awesome. So you got into Teen Challenge in what year again? 2009. 2009. And how, left twice. How, how was that? So you left <laughs> twice. Was it kind of you just the pressure? Or? Um, I For me, I really feel like that, uh, you know, I'd sown to my flesh for so long. Uh, it was hard 
to deny myself. Um, and then there's always this nagging thought in your mind, what if I'm doing all this, I'm spending a year of my life doing this for nothing, you know? Yeah. And, and sometimes, and this don't want to sound uh, something that's not biblical, but putting our faith in God sometimes is putting our faith in other people sure to a great extent yeah. or putting our faith in something and it's hard you know when yeah. you've been let down and and uh, absolutely and so for me it took a few times but really all every time i went back out to the world it just was worse i left the same junk there and at some point i said i'm gonna go and i'm just gonna give this everything i have what program were you part of what teen challenge was it so it was called the 180 center and okay. it was actually in waxachie texas okay. gotcha. uh, yeah it's a uh, it's a uh, program it's not as big as this one here it's probably about 10 or 15 guys okay. and uh it was pretty awesome though yeah and you so you left it a couple of times did you graduate from that program i did graduate from the program awesome. and and that's how i you know found that's where i found freedom in christ yes. for the first time it's where i you know was baptized in the holy spirit yes it's right at that same church where i met my wife wow um so, so yeah that's where god really started my life off was right after in that program and right after that program. And so how did you get here so my um my wife's family lives in the lawton cash area this okay. for those who don't know um cash is right outside of lawton which is part of fort sill it's in the s- southern part of oklahoma basically you know, forty-five minutes from the Texas border, almost Texas, almost, almost Texas, almost, almost. You can you can kind of smell Texas coming yeah, across yeah. the border. I always say Oklahoma's <laughs> kind of like Texas, just not as good. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be careful because I live here. Yeah, now. that's right. Um, and I, you know, I, I realized that uh, by being here, that um, you know, the place I'm at is less important than the people I'm surrounded that's with right. and, and what God's doing in my life. Yeah, but um, so good. But yeah, so. Uh, I, we came here because uh, Kira, my wife Kira, her family's connected with a, a Assembly of God church out here called Lawton First Assembly, and had been for many, many years. And so my wife basically just went to Waxhachie to go to Bible college at, at SAGU Southwestern mm-hmm. Assembly of God University, and became the worship pastor of the church we attended. And I met her, and wow. so at some point we we felt the call of God to move to Oklahoma and. Uh, first I came out here not knowing that I would be part of this team challenge I took a secular job and but eventually God you know directed our path to this program and sure. we've been here about five years wow and so you've uh, your position here is so I'm the uh, the program manager uh, I'm the pastor and program manager of the uh, the program I'm, I'm under the direction of our executive director of of Teen Challenge Oklahoma, Lauren Schreffler. Okay. And so basically, I run the center, and uh, right. we have about 15 staff members that work work with us here. Um, 13 interns who have graduated the program and are staying on for leadership training, and some are seeking credentials uh, in ministry. And then we have about anywhere between 60 and 70 students. Wow! So tell tell everybody a little bit about the program. What what is Teen Challenge? So basically, Teen Challenge, uh, all Teen Challenge programs, there's 250 of them in the United States, 1,400 worldwide. Teen Challenge is a 13-month discipleship program for men and women with life-controlling problems like drugs and alcohol. Um, We're not a rehab. We're we're not against rehabs. We're just not one. We're a discipleship program. We are, uh, our philosophy is that if people encounter Christ and have a transforming experience with Him, that addiction will fall by the wayside just like other things will obviously there's a season of discipleship that happens after so basically 
um, we come here because we have a criminal problem or addiction or or these sorts of things. We can't manage our life in some way. But God is really using that as the catalyst to bring us into the kingdom of God. Right. I, I always say this when I speak to people when I have the opportunity to represent our program is that God truly is using the drug drug epidemic mm-hmm. to forward the gospel and to make disciples. Wow, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, so God's using the, the problems to lure people in because they kind of hit rock bottom and then they they start searching for a way out and they discover that that way out is Jesus, that he's, he's the one that gets them free. So uh, I know a little bit about Teen Challenge and have some indirect history. I mean, my brother went through the program, but even before that, the church that I worked at in Odessa uh, for a couple of years and the church that discipled me, the pastor was a Teen Challenge director. I want to say it was in the late seventies, early eighties. And uh, so I've always been kind of familiar uh, with the program. You know, once I, came to started going to church when you know in the early 90s because they talked about it um give us a little history david wilkerson started yeah so team challenge was uh started in 1958 by pastor david wilkerson uh pastor david wilkerson interestingly enough had no experience with drug addiction or crime he was a small squeaky clean squeaky clean guy he was a small town pennsylvania pastor who pastored a church of probably less than 50 people yeah um and began to you know seek god in a a time of extended prayer and begin to be burdened for the people in new york and uh, through a series of events went to new york and visited and really when he got there just was so overwhelmed by addiction and you know teenagers who were you know basically hopeless and lost and in the gutters and in the ghetto and begin to have a burden for these young people that he wanted to to you know expose them to Christ and from that teen challenge was born <clears throat> and the, the idea that pastor wilkerson had you know geographical location you know getting out of the environment doesn't solve the problem but if you have a solution it helps yeah. it helps make the it, it's a it's a great catalyst for change and so that was kind of the idea to pull guys out of where they are and give them an opportunity to right. encounter Christ grow roots so that they can go on and, and be men of God. And the name Teen Challenge is a little bit misleading. Definitely. Because it has teen in front of it. So automatically everybody thinks that you're working with teenagers. But most most of the students are not teens. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? So originally the, the program was called Teen Challenge because many of the, you know, we think of teenagers, we think under the age of 18. But in David Wilkerson's mind, there were kids age, you know, 13 and 14 all the way up into the early 20s. And it was really an opportunity to help this generation of, of kids. But really what it took on, what, what was realized in the early years that much of the problem, you know, not all, there's a lot of problems. There's broken homes. There's, um, you know, a score of problems that cause people to be hopeless and disenfranchised. But a great majority of them had some connection to addiction, yeah. to drug addiction, alcoholism. And so that's kind of the form the program took on. In the early 60s, it was developed into this a version of the program that we, we, we live now. So basically, we, Teen Challenge is really truly called Adult and Teen Challenge. And so we have programs um, for, like our program here is an adult men's program. It's ages 18. We have a guy here who's 60 years old. Wow. Um, we have a women's programs that are the same way, 18 to you know any age adult. 
And then, of course, we have a traditional teenager programs, which is, you know, where they go to school, kind of like a boarding school, but they okay. also get the program oh, wow. and the community and yeah, all the no things idea. that go along. Yeah. yeah, ages 14 to 18. Wow. And they're usually for kids that have kind of been in, this, in the legal system? or Legal system. Some are kids who have been in addiction. To be honest with you, some of them are kids that have been, you know, abused and mm. and so there's there's a sort of a different view and the it's, right. it's a place of escape and some have brought trouble on themselves and some have had trouble thrust on them right and so do you recommend that when someone goes to teen challenge they try to get out of the city that they're in is that uh, i i would say that that it's not always the case and you know many programs across the country kind of have different personal identities even sure. though it's the same program uh, for some people it that's not a, a possibility, right? But it is a it is typically a good idea to get away from the place where you know where the drug dealer lives in your town, Absolutely. where you've yeah. you've engaged in addiction and trouble, and and kind of go someplace and start fresh, you know, right. and where a, a different geographical scene. You're not you know not being haunted by the ghost right. of sure of your past following around the town Absolutely. um it's not it's not necessary but we we often recommend if guys who are from our local area we'll send them to a a center a few hours away from here just to give them every opportunity sure and most major cities have teen challenges is, is that right i mean yeah so how every many locations again so there's 250 wow. uh, in the united states and there's only a uh, two states that don't have a teen challenge in them, um, you know, Wyoming being one of them. And so there's effort to start a teen challenge there. But a lot of times there is a, there is a program in Wyoming that sends people to other teen challenges. Gotcha. But, but yeah, we're all across, you know, in places like Texas, there's, you know, mm-hmm. scores, probably 15 teen challenges in right. Texas. So how would somebody say someone has a family member or that they're wanting to check themselves in? Like, how does that process work? So, you know, one of the one of the most important things, there's a lot of different ways this works. A person of their own volition could say, I need help and yeah. could call and, and go through the process of getting into the program. But if you have a loved one who you want to get into the program, you know, even if you reach out to the program and, and talk to an advisor, an intake coordinator, and let them help walk you through because it may seem like that there's no way this will ever work or this will ever happen. But more times than not, once we all put our heads together, sometimes we can create an environment and present this to a person in a way where um, where they see the need of it. And that's really, you know, we don't you don't have to have all the solutions or answers yeah. when you call. In fact, call and get some some information. That's great, so good. Yeah, I know we've recommended it to people and. And uh, just a firm believer in it, you know. Definitely. Um, obviously, my brother was in it and, and just believed so much in what you guys are doing and the stories. And, I mean, you wouldn't be where you're at if it wasn't for Teen Challenge, so I just love that. Well, hey, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about you, – you've released a book, a couple of books. Let's, let's talk a little bit about Josh, the author. It's a pretty awesome uh, – you know, I'm humbled that I, I've got to write some books and they've been published and – it wasn't nothing I set out to do. I, I I think that there's two kinds of authors in the yeah. world. I think there's people who are really good writers, and they they find messages or stories to tell. And then there's people that have a message, and they they try to become authors. And I, I probably fall into the second category. You know, right. I'm not a, a great, you know, I haven't written all my life, even though I was a musician. I do I do enjoy writing and reading. Right. I've always creative. I've yeah. always been a reader, mm-hmm. but 
the way my first book started, actually, uh, Simple Gospel, The Modern Offense of the Cross, really was just a pamphlet. Uh, chapter four of my book, Simple Gospel, is a pretty much a detailed explanation of the gospel. I encountered so many people. Uh, you know, I, sometimes as Christians, we think that everybody knows the gospel. Right. And what I, you know, realized in a, for a few years of ministry and traveling and preaching at different churches that many, and I wouldn't say, it be maybe wrong to say most, but I would say in this generation coming up, there's so many people that don't know what the gospel is. Wow. And we assume sometimes as Christians that everybody knows. And so I created this pamphlet for my students in Teen Challenge that basically was an explanation of the gospel. Gotcha. And uh, that's what it was going to be. And then I started thinking of other aspects of it, and it kind of just developed wow. into a book. Yeah. And, and so that simple gospel, The Modern Offense of the Cross, and um, and it's a pretty simple book. You know, it's not a theological book. There's right. not a lot of heavy terminology in it. Sure. It's an every, an every man. Very accessible. Very accessible yeah. book. It's, you know, you could almost say it's plagiarized because it's laced with Scripture. Yeah. All through it, probably a third of it is Scripture. Yeah. Um, and that's the heart of that book is just to... And really, the heart of my life is to preach the gospel. Absolutely, um, yeah. one of the scriptures I lean on heavily in my life, and I think it's great for someone like myself, is when Paul says in First Corinthians, chapter one, verse seventeen, he says that God didn't send him to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom or eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us being saved, it's the power of God. And I realized, and if you read through the rest of the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul goes on to say that not many of you were you know, wise and not many of you were strong or influential. And for someone like me who comes from a, a background of, of addiction and uh, mediocrity and struggle right. and trouble, I realized that it's not the person... It's not the person delivering the message; it's the message itself. Yeah, the gospel is what has power, and 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 I believe that the the scripture makes it clear that the Holy Spirit will empower us yeah. to preach the gospel supernaturally. Yes. Yeah. And so basically, we don't have to doctor it up and make it make it something it isn't. We we have to trust that this sort of supernatural gospel um, that God will empower and uh, you know not with wisdom or not with the methods of man but and so that's kind of what I, I my focus in life is preaching the gospel and me and you talk a lot about you know people have emphasis of their ministry and I guess if my if my ministry has an emphasis uh, personally it, it is the gospel what would be your if, so, if you're in the elevator with somebody you only had them in the elevator for a minute minute and a half what is the gospel? You know, the, the, the quick gospel is laid out in Romans, and it's basically us realizing that we're sinners. Yes. That something's wrong. Yeah. That God is great, and God is sovereign, but also God is good, and that he sent his son. You know, the gospel isn't a God loves you. The gospel yeah. is God loved you so much yes. that he gave his son yeah. for you. Right. Um, and, and really, I think sometimes we take great pains to try to to you know think we have to explain to people that something's wrong but the truth is people know something's people wrong know, yeah. people know something in fact the bible in romans 1 says that we suppress the knowledge of god because of sin right and so you know i don't have to convince people that something's wrong in their life typically i have to you know that's something that's easy to draw out of most people absolutely yeah. and so the giving them solution is a god who who doesn't want them to do right and then you know come to them it's a god who loved them so much 
that he's willing to accept them how they are and transform their lives. So what would you say to a person if they would object and they would say, because I, I do agree that most people would say, if you, if you get them heart to heart, you get them across the table, they'll admit their brokenness. But there is, you know, a spirit of pride. And I, I think a lot of what we hear in the world today is, is I'm good enough, like the way I am. Um, I'm morally good. Um, what would you say to that person? Well, you know, in a in a situation where you're, you know, doing this sort of like encounter type evangelism, yes. you know, you present the truth in a loving way and, sure. and plant that seed. You know, sometimes, and I, I love, you know, these apologetics guys mm-hmm. who are yeah. super great at this sort of thing. And so what I'm about to say isn't, de- you know, demeaning towards them, but there comes this thought sometimes that we have to persuade people yeah. in a moment to That's to right. turn but the truth is is I'm going to present the truth in love and plant the seed you know some people plant seeds some people water seeds but God makes things grow yeah and so it's been my experience by giving the truth mm-hmm. not backing away from the truth but being loving and approachable creates an environment for when people do run out of road right. that they come back to you and say oh yeah they say everything's fine in my life and I don't need God and you present the and usually through my testimony is the way I do sure. it. Um, and that's then, always the best way because nobody can ever argue with your testimony, right? No one can argue with your yeah. testimony. I think one of the biggest truths is, and you say this a lot, and I I tend to agree with it. I'm I'm real excited about being bold with the truth and putting it out there. I have a saying that I say a lot where. We need to be so bold with the truth of God's word that people have no doubt about where we stand, but so given to love hmm. that people are thrown off and confused by us. Yeah. See, we're not preaching our agenda. We're preaching the truth of God. Absolutely. But we got to do it in a loving way. Sure. And so it's that love that opens the door for that relational aspect right. of it. There's many people that have rejected what I've said, but as they've we've lived life together around each other, um, you know, and I'm living, trying my best, not in perfection, to live a life that honors God, right. even in my failures, you know, sure. uh, just trying to be genuine in my life with yeah. God and uh, that people, they'll come, they'll circle back. Love that, opens the door, but truth sets people free. That's, you know? that's an amazing so statement. We've always got to be, you know, if we're not, I said this a couple of Sundays ago that if, you know, that, that if we don't communicate truth in a loving way, then we misrepresent the truth. You know, because it just doesn't it doesn't help anybody. You know, if if we're just doing it just just to champion just for that cause of champion. If, if I'm not driven by love, it's not gonna really make a difference in people's life. Warren Wiersbe, uh, an author, yeah, said made an, a just one of my favorite statements. I actually, quote it in my book, Simple Gospel. Um, he says, "Truth without love is brutality." Wow. But love without truth is hypocrisy. Oof, and so good, that man. that kind of says it all. Yeah, um, yeah. Sometimes, you know, we don't have to come up with the great... So many people say good things, sure. we just have to tap into them. Yeah. So that was my first book, Simple Gospel. But my second book that uh, is out now is called Hard Sayings, Reconciling the Cost of Discipleship and the American Dream. And basically, uh, the point of the book really is to to find out who Jesus is from the scripture. Now, I know we all say that we have a biblical view of Jesus, but as I read the scripture, sometimes I have to challenge myself to view Christ 
and a kingdom yeah. or a biblical mindset more than from my American perspective. Sure. And it's hard because I'm an American. Right. I was born in America. And, and every, the, the pictures of Jesus is kind of blonde hair, blue eyed. Yeah. You know, he's not like this Middle Eastern guy. I thought you know? Jesus was like, a, you know, a, a British guy. Yeah. <laughs> a blonde haired British guy. Yeah. <laughs> With a, you know, kind of, you know, white skin and, you know, it's and, so funny. And so sometimes our perceptions yeah. about Jesus um, that way are, you know, it's funny to say that, but it really our perception of Jesus as an American, oh, totally. yeah. um, it's not, it's not Mideastern first century or right. eternal. Uh, right. right. And Absolutely. so, and so f- the, the point of that scripture is trying to, so I talk about trying desperately to reconcile this American dream yeah. to, to Christianity. And so it doesn't, I'm not saying that these elements that we've been blessed in, in this country with are, are bad. What I'm saying is that we'll never be able to fully reconcile having the big house, having the career, having everything we want, hope, desire, or dream um, with the gospel. Yes. Uh, and, and so the that's the point of that book is trying to ask those questions um, and, and and asking can we reconcile uh, and you know the gospel to our view of what the American dream is and how do we follow Christ in a 21st century context? So good. And so if you're if you're you know I don't know if this is a plug time, but yes, plug. Uh, if you're plug interested in, in any of these books, they're available. You know, everywhere books are sold on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, ChristianBook.com. But if you go to my website, JoshuaWest.net, and I'll link it in the show notes. If you uh, if you buy it from there, um, a larger percentage of your the purchase price, well, all the purchase goes to Teen Challenge. Oh, that's awesome! And so you know, obviously, Amazon's great, but you know, like a dollar right. <laughs> comes out of Amazon. Sure. Um, but so yeah, it's JoshuaWest.net, and that's basically my website. There's uh, my blogs on there, um, a little bit of my stories on there, and, and access great. to the books. And um, you know, it's uh, for me, writing is something that I've uh, you know really just it, it's. This may sound um, contrived, but it's really not. All my, both of my books are really just personal discoveries of of things for myself. So this is me in Simple Gospel, encountering the gospel and trying to examine my life based on the scripture. Simple Gospel, that's what that was. And Hard Sayings, I'm I'm, I'm being challenged as what I did when I wrote Hard Sayings is I went back and I read the words of Jesus, independent of my perceived past notion of Christianity, my denominational ties. And I just want to say, what is Jesus saying in these scriptures? And so good. Really a lot of it's hard. I yes. mean, if you really take the words of Jesus, they're hard in comparison to the world. Uh they're supernatural. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean these things we're talking about, you know, being born again. Like if we right. really take oh, what gosh. Jesus said at yeah. face value um, you have to have faith. <laughs> yes. You, there has to be something supernatural that happens, and that's the beautiful part about it. I, I, I talk to my guys in the program very often about this, and something that I, I love to preach on is the reason why we, we doubt the supernatural aspects of Christianity is because we don't have a supernatural view of the gospel. Wow. I mean, if we realize that coming to Christ is a supernatural transaction yes. of being born into a new family, leaving an old right. life behind and literally taking on a new nature. And it's supernatural. Yeah. If we get that, then why are we so, you know, uh, hard to believe that God can do anything at right. any time? And I think a lot of times um, having a, a nominal sort of non-supernatural view of conversion yes. kind of kind of sets the path for the way yeah. we view everything else in Christianity. Right. We do that kind of... It's, Add, I'm kind of adding Jesus into my life, right? You know, 
that's the way I always talk about it. We just kind of sprinkle Jesus in, you know, kind of infuse our life with Jesus. But it's it's a turnover, man. It's 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 born again. I mean, yeah. that says it all, and I love that language so much that that Jesus uses because I mean that that's it's a rebirth, you know. And uh, I I think that you know you and I discuss a lot of you know struggles that we have with the church and with the way things are done. But I, I think one of the the biggest mistakes that we've done is we've we've just we've tried to. Um, not simplify like what you're talking about the simple gospel just the true gospel the the raw gospel but what we've we've done is we've really watered it down so it's really palatable and and just kind of ease people in and i think what we end up with is a lot of false converts that's really what we have nobody wants to everybody wants to hold on to their old life and so we spend most of our time as pastors and ministers trying to hunt people down. I mean, I'm guilty of it, You're trying right. to hunt people down because I've just tried to make everything so palatable when the reality is, is a lot of the stuff Jesus uh, said is not very palatable. You know, everybody likes to quote the, the do not judge and the love one right. another, um, but uh, they don't like to quote the be perfect even as my father in heaven is perfect stuff, you know. Or and, deny uh, yourself, take up your cross yourself. and follow me. I think, uh, not to just continue to reference my book, but in chapter four of my my new book, there's a chapter that's called False Converts and True Disciples. And I think one thing that we, one place as pastors we struggle sometimes is not understanding the fact that the necessity of the gospel message being so, not, you don't have to preach the, the exact message every week, but that tying everything we do back to the gospel I think in our culture we underestimate the fact that there are lots of falsely converted people who have been given sort of a mass consumption version of Christianity. Sure. And and so then we then we wonder why they they're not walking in victory or in any aspect mm. or if yeah. they're not bearing fruit. And so sometimes I think especially when they're people we love, yes. we're not willing to consider that maybe this person isn't in Christ. And not in a judgmental way, but in a loving way, redirecting them back towards the that narrow gate that leads to yeah. life. And so we can do this in a way without saying who's saved and who's not saved. Sure. By connecting that element to much of what we preach, by mm-hmm. constantly using the sort of terminology Paul did. Listen, if you're in Christ, nothing can separate you from the love of God that you right. have in Christ Jesus. But he also says to examine yourself. Absolutely. To make sure that you're really in the faith because Christ Jesus saved you. Yes. Unless, of course, you fell the test. And this isn't a judgmental thing. This is, you listen, if your life isn't, doesn't mean that everything's perfect and hunky-dory. But if you haven't experienced any of the benefits of being a Christian, maybe. I'm not saying that you're not saved. Maybe you need to take another right. look and see if the Christ you're serving is the risen king. Right. Or if it's an idolatrous version that maybe mm, we can, that scary. we invented ourselves. I often like to say that. In culture today, we've invented a version of Christ that will conform to our image rather than us conforming to His. Mm, and uh, you know, I, I one more thing that I, I heard a pastor say recently, I'd give him credit, but I can't remember his name, um, but this wasn't me. He said, when I was first a preacher, I thought my job was to tell people to do stuff they didn't want to do. <laughs> that was kind of like what he thought being a Christian, uh, being a pastor was, you know, and he realized... Well, first of all, he's in his own words. He said, um, "That's a horrible profession, yes. right? It's not about telling people to do a bunch of stuff they don't want to do. It's about having them encounter a savior that changes their heart." Yes, and yeah. so it's not a list of do's and don'ts. Obviously, there's right and wrong. Absolutely. But, but when people are truly in Christ, um, 
we, we don't have to worry about that so much. Right. Um, discipling takes on another aspect. Yeah, so good, Josh. Well, hey, man, we're we're, run out, we're out of time here, but uh just want to thank you so much for just taking a little bit of time on your day off and, and uh, get together and talk, man. Just love you guys and love what you're doing and excited. Everybody, check out Josh's book. Uh, get on his website, joshuawest.net, and uh, that's where you can connect with him, and I'm sure there's ways to get a hold of you. And Josh is preaching in, what, probably about 45 churches a year or something like that yeah. almost every week so, definitely so just love overflow it. church yep overflow church will be there in july so <laughs> we're excited about that but thank you guys so much for tuning in today and uh get josh's book have a great week